Hello and welcome back to my goddamn quest for happiness. It is yet another episode and I am super excited. I hope you are too with the second part of how to be a lucky person. Let's get started. Hi and welcome to my goddamn quest for happiness. I am Anne Klein, actor, comedian and life coach. Okay, sure. This podcast is all about happiness. What makes us happy? What makes some people happier than others? And why can't I get it? I've been reading a lot of books. I've been talking to many, many people, watching lots of YouTube videos, rabbit hole, and I have discovered a few things and I would love to share just that with you. Hi, here is the second part for how to be a lucky person. I hope the last episode has already made you somewhat luckier. Have you tried out the trick? If not, I mean, you should get on that. And this week's episode is really thrilling, in my opinion, because it's a little bit like magic once again. Oh my god, I did say that last time, didn't I? But it's just, there's just something so demystifying about something that we always thought we had no control over, and now all of a sudden, oh my god, our mind influences everything. The world is my oyster. By the way, speaking of which, it has nothing to do with it. Have you watched Queer Eye yet? Season 5 is out, and it's making me a happy, happy person. Makes me believe in the world again, so if you need a little boost <laughs> in addition to this boost. Uh, go watch Queer Eye on Netflix. I hope I get some money from them because I am plugging them like crazy. Uh, also, if you want to nominate me, please be my guest. I need a bit of Queer Eye in my life. Okay, here we go. Episode two of How to Be Lucky. And this week, it's all about expecting good fortune. Mm. Tell me more about that. What could that mean, I wonder? Well, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have a tendency to think that I need to prepare myself for the worst. Because if I'm super positive and I think everything's gonna go well, I'm probably missing some kind of detail and something's gonna screw up massively. Uh, so I feel like if I expect something to go well, I am setting myself up for failure, I will be super disappointed, and I might even be ever so slightly delusional. So if I can prepare myself mentally for the eventuality that it will all be a disaster, then I I will be better equipped to deal with it. And that is wrong. Oh boy. This episode is built similarly to the previous one with its three sub principles because that is how the book is built. And I am not a creative person. I just do what I told. Um, no, that is not true, but it just makes a lot of sense. This entire episode is kind of the same topic put into three categories that are kind of the same category in my opinion, but I'll just roll with it to make it a little bit clearer. Sub-principle number one is expect good luck in your future, because research has found that lucky people expect good things to happen in the future, while unlucky people expect negative things, and this influences the outcome. We'll get further into that. But I thought I'd read to you a little quote that's in the book from a very lucky person about how he speaks about his life. I always go into things believing they'll work out well. I am convinced that everything will be great. I've certainly come unstuck, but even then good things come out of the bad and I always come out smiling. Some people don't realize their luck when it is there. They look out of the window and say, oh dear, it's raining today. But I see the rain and think, great, my flowers will be out tomorrow. 
this is a uh, this is a quote from someone in the book that Richard Wiseman has been speaking to. Richard Wiseman, obviously the author of the book The Luck Factor, which is what I'll be referencing throughout this episode. And you can tell that he is quite positive because this is the good in everything. Now, obviously, this doesn't come from nowhere. So there's this little test in the book that can assess whether you have an optimistic uh, outlook on the future or, or a pessimistic one. And the questions are, for example, um, how likely do you feel it is that you'll be given £50 to spend on yourself? Or... How likely do you think someone will tell you you're talented? Or how likely do you think it is that someone will tell you that you look young for your age? And so on. And when I read them, I thought, well, obviously, if this has happened to me in the past, I'll feel a lot more likely to um, to expect that to happen in the future. So I don't really see how this is an attitude. I feel like it's more of an experience. And that is also what Richard Wiseman has said later on in the book. So just keep reading, Anne, and then stop being so judgmental. Uh, Basically, he's saying um, most lucky people expect things to work out well because this has been their experience in the past. But then uh, are they impacted by by an opposite experience? So if something negative happens to them, do they then suddenly feel like, oh, maybe I'm not that lucky after all? And the answer, my friends, is no one. Lucky people see any bad luck as being short-lived, while unlucky people believe that any good luck will quickly be followed by something unlucky. And I do think I personally fall into that latter category. So whenever good things happen, it's like, brace yourself because it's soon gonna end. Uh, I know a lot of people that are like that, and I have a tendency to think that people that don't think like that are a bit unrealistic, or slightly delusional, and, you know, that they just don't see reality for what it is. But actually, as it turns out, this is what makes them lucky, and this is what makes me unlucky. Um, because people affect the outcomes of their lives with their attitudes. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Here's an example of how that could happen. Imagine you move into a new neighborhood and you don't know anybody and now you're going to a fortune teller and this fortune teller tells you that you will make lots of friends. How does that affect your behavior? You'll probably go out and you'll smile and, uh, you know, you'll talk to people because you're optimistic that they will end up being your friends since you were told that's what your future holds. So you behave automatically in a way to make friends and with that you create the reality that you've been told you would have. And there is some research also to back this up. So psychologists have done this um, experiment where they told high school teachers that some of their pupils were late bloomers and that they were probably going to do exceptionally well in the future. Now, the teachers didn't know that the researchers just arbitrarily made a random selection of kids. There was nothing special about them. But without realizing it, the teachers ended up providing these kids with more encouragement and praise and they allowed them to ask more questions in class, which meant that in the end, the children that they picked out produced better schoolwork and they scored higher on intelligence tests than other pupils. So without noticing it, the teachers behaved differently towards the children, making their expectation a reality. That is an interesting finding in my opinion because, I mean, you don't have to be a teacher to find this. (laughs) 
<laughs> to find this interesting. Most of us have gone to school and we will have made some kind of experience of how we've been treated by teachers. So if they have a good first impression of you and they already think that you're smart and you're going to do well, then they will treat you differently, helping you make that a reality. And if they think you're dumb, you know, chances are they're going to be a little bit less patient with you, less helpful and uh, also making that a reality. So this I find quite interesting. One, what if you've been treated like that? Like what if your entire childhood you've been told by your teachers, by your parents, by I don't know whom, that you're not very clever and now you have uh, internalized that thought and you think, oh no, I can't be very smart because that's, that's what I've been told and look at the results. But maybe the results are just a result of that attitude towards you. So you can change that. You can turn that around. You don't have to believe the categories that you've been put in. And if you happen to be a teacher, I mean, maybe think about it. Try and have a look at your behavior. I'm not saying I'm not saying everyone is always guilty of this. And definitely I'm not saying, oh my god, you're responsible. If you have been doing this, you're a horrible person. Because this research shows it's subconscious. People aren't doing it on purpose. So you don't have to feel guilt if you notice that you have been doing that and therefore push down the thought. Like, you can look at your behavior and if you notice, oh, maybe I have had some kind of prejudice uh, going into certain relationships with pupils or, you know, people at your work or people, your friends or whatever. Like, if you expect them to behave a certain way, you are reinforcing that behavior. So try and look at that. I find it interesting. I'll try and look at that myself. What am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm perfect. Cool. Let's move on. Um, There's another experiment where, uh, gosh, have I mentioned that I love experiments? Okay. Um, there's another experiment that they've done where... <laughs> this is so funny. Participants were asked to press a switch the moment a light came on. And they were asked to try as hard as they could to do it like really quickly, right at the moment that, that the light comes on. Another group was told... Um, so they were assigned the same task, but they were told to imagine that they were fighter pilots with very fast reactions. And the people in the second group responded much, much faster simply because they expected to be good at it. So just by putting yourself in the mindset where you think, oh, I am this person who does really well at that, uh, you, you end up doing better at it. There's, there was another um, experiment, which is not in my notes, so I hope I'm not going to screw it up, but Dr. Alan Langer, she does a lot on mindfulness, and she said people were asked to read... You know when you go to the eye doctor, <laughs> is that what he's called? And they ask you to look at the letters on the wall and uh, until you can't read them anymore. And so they did this test with people, and um, at a certain point they weren't able to read it anymore, and then they were put in a simulator where they were told they were fighter pilots or, or pilots who are known to obviously have very good eyesight. And um, they let words appear on the wings of an oncoming plane, <clears throat> of an oncoming plane that were smaller than the smallest letters they were able to read beforehand. But they were all able to read these words on the on the on the wings of that plane. I don't know if that was super clear, but I find that fascinating. So what you think your ability is affects your actual ability. Um, so these are all self-fulfilling prophecies and they can affect your health. They affect how you behave in the workplace, how you behave with others and how others 
respond to you. Which is an interesting point we'll come back to later in principle number three. But this already I find quite fascinating um, because this suggests so much about how much control there is just in our mind. It's not really the outside world that is predicting our ability. Well, it's not really our skill level that's predicting our ability. It's things like how we feel about it or how other people treat us. So this just shows how expecting something to go well will affect it going well. Uh, Sub-principle number two is attempt to achieve goals and persevere in the face of failure. This is what lucky people do. So there is something called learned helplessness. And this expression was coined by Martin Seligman, who is a positive psychology researcher and who has written a book called Learned Optimism. And within that book, I'm probably going to talk about that in a future episode at some point, but within that book, he talks about learned helplessness also, which is the flip side of the whole thing, which is when you believe that your actions have no impact. If the result is going to be negative, why even try? So if we think our goals are unrealistic or there is very little chance of us achieving something, why would we even try? I do this a lot. I definitely have learned helplessness in my body. Um, I'm trying to work on it. Here's an example of when I was in my final year of high school or college or whatever you call that, but just the final year before you go to university. And in Luxembourg, uh, for those of you who did not grow up in Luxembourg, uh, you have the final year exams. And in maths, we had a part of the test which was only dedicated to a calculator. <laughs> Uh, it's called a V200 and it's a super complicated calculator and we use it to do problem solving uh, within this test. But our teacher told us during class that we would do lots of different types of exercise for this problem solving with the um, with the calculator and it's quite tricky, it's quite difficult. But he always told us, even if you know how to do all the exercises that we've done in class, you might still be given one that you don't know how to do because they're all different. So they don't resemble each other. And it just put me, I didn't realize this until much, much later, but it completely put me in a mindset of learned helplessness of, well, if there is no chance, you know, if I can't make sure that I'll know the answer once I get into the test, why waste my time practicing these exercises that are not going to come up in the same way anyway? So I just decided to not study for that at all. It was 20% of the final grade and I thought I'll just use that time to study the rest of maths because I'm not great at it, which also was a false attitude. But anyway, that's not the point. So I just didn't, I didn't study for it. And the exam came up and I was sat in that room and everyone was writing and I was writing the test, the part about the V200 came up and I leant back in my chair, just grinning at myself, looking around the room, thinking no one's going to be doing anything. And I saw everyone writing and I thought, oh fuck, so it is possible after all. And I just didn't, I didn't write a single thing because I hadn't prepared at all. And that is textbook unlucky person mentality. So if it's, if I already know it's going to go wrong anyway, why even try? So I'd set myself up, I'd created the reality that I expected by not preparing. So there could be a fear of what if lucky people are so confident that they will do well that they just don't prepare at all, uh, which kind of is what I did feeling unlucky. But interestingly, Richard Wiseman says there is no evidence to support this. 
Instead, positive expectations have motivated these people to take control of their lives. So they've attempted to achieve whatever they want in their lives, even if the likelihood of them succeeding was quite low, because they felt like, I can probably do this. Oh, that reminds me of Pippi Longstocking. Isn't there a Pippi Longstocking quote where she says, I've never done this before, so I'm pretty confident I'll succeed. Ah, I don't remember. It's something like that. I'll find it. I'll find it. Anyway, so thinking you'll do well means you are more likely to give it a go. You're more likely to feel motivated and and just try it out because why not? It's going to go well. Um, Anxiety plays a huge part in this thing. I should know. Um, Anxiety causes people to be more accident prone and it affects their immune system. So anxious people tend to have problems concentrating and they are focusing on their worries and problems. And unlucky people's expectations about the future causes them to feel anxious. So I think everything's going to go wrong, which makes me anxious, which puts me in my head, which makes me worry and think about this all the time. And this anxiety can then cause me to have more accidents and illnesses. So again, I've created my own reality. I'm afraid I'm going to trip over everything. Now I'm really anxious. I'm only thinking about how I'm going to screw up and then I'm more likely to be distracted and trip over everything. There's an article in a British medical journal that said that Chinese and Japanese Americans have a 7% higher death rate from chronic heart disease on the fourth day of each month. And there was no such peak in white Americans. And they found out that um, many Japanese and Chinese people regard the number four as an unlucky number. So on the fourth day of the month, they have more negative expectations. And this stress then causes them to have an increase in chronic heart disease. Uh, Interesting fact. Little, little fun fact on the side. So this sub-principle said they are more likely to attempt to achieve their goals and also to persist in the face of failure. And this second part is if they believe that they will be lucky, they will keep going. So their expectation makes them start trying for something and it also makes them keep going because they think soon enough my lucky break will come but you know if you just sit around at home doing nothing then nothing good can come so they keep going they keep trying there's a quote in the artist's way by julia cameron which i quite like which i think about a lot and it's something along the lines of a woman said do you know how old i'll be by the time i learn to play the piano and julia said yes the same age you'll be if you don't And I try to remind myself of that so much because often I go, well, there's no point. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to work out anyway. It'll be too late by the time it makes any sense. But I'll... I'll age anyway. I might as well age trying to achieve something additional. But... Yeah, so unlucky people seem to have that attitude a bit more. They just keep going. There's There was an experiment with lucky and unlucky people where they were asked to put back together a puzzle and it was almost impossible to solve this puzzle. But um, two out of three of the lucky people, they just stayed behind so much longer than the unlucky people. And they, <laughs> when they were asked how much longer they would have stayed, when they were interrupted, they said they would have kept going until they'd solved it. So that is a really good attitude to have because if you give up too soon, you're not going to be lucky. Which brings us to sub-principle number three. Lucky people expect interactions with others to be lucky and successful. This is what I said earlier in sub-principle one. Our attitude affects how we treat other people and how other people treat us. So if we expect interactions with other people to go well, it causes us to behave differently towards these people and that's causing them to behave in a way that fulfills our expectation. So 
So, let's give you another example. Let's have a, a, another little game where you can imagine yourself in a situation and see how you'd behave. So, imagine you're going on a blind date. Your best friend has set you up on a blind date and they've told you this person is super outgoing and super friendly and likable. So, you go into this blind date being really excited to meet them and you walk in and you see them and you smile at them and you sit down and they see you smiling at them and they think oh this person likes me so they smile back at you which reinforces what you thought of them because they're smiling at you before you've even said a word imagine the same scenario if someone told you well this person is really mean and terrible uh you'll probably go on into the interaction differently so you are in fact creating the outcome that you're expecting you're also asking them different kinds of questions if you think they're interesting you'll keep asking them about things that that might be interesting some adventures they've been on or whatever and if you think they're boring you're gonna ask them boring questions so you're gonna get the answers that reinforce your opinion this actually affects job interviews so they've they've done another experiment <laughs> they've done another experiment where um Job interviews were shown CVs and they had to decide whether they felt like someone was qualified or not. And then they met these candidates for an interview. And without realizing it, the interviewer was friendlier and more encouraging towards the people that they had felt beforehand were qualified for it, uh, which meant that they were responding in a more relaxed and friendly way and therefore left a better impression. And they were discouraging towards people that they perceived as less qualified and they smiled less at them. So this meant the interviewee felt more nervous, more uncomfortable and and made a worse first impression. So inadvertently, the interviewer's expectation had influenced how the candidate behaved. Another interesting study. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Am I boring myself yet? Not really. I am still thrilled. Let's just keep going. Uh, Another study I find fascinating is they had some men have a phone conversation with a woman. One half of the men was shown a photograph of an attractive woman and the other half of the men was shown a photograph of an unattractive woman. How they judged whether someone was attractive or not, I am not certain about. I'm just not going to go into it. There's a lot of problems in there, but we'll just roll with it for now. So the men who thought that they were talking to the attractive woman were much more outgoing and sociable in the conversation than the other group. And this influenced how the woman behaved because here comes the interesting thing. They played back the conversation to other people only with the parts where the woman was speaking. And then they asked those people to rate whether they thought the woman was attractive or not from the voice, from the conversation. And they all rated the woman as being attractive in the halves of the conversations where the men that she was talking to thought she was attractive and vice versa. (sighs) Does that make sense? (laughs) So the men spoke to the woman thinking she's either attractive or unattractive. Now, if we only listen back to what the woman said, we will also think she's attractive in the conversations where the man thought she was attractive and will think she's unattractive in the conversations where the man thought she was unattractive. So she behaved accordingly. And all that was different was what the men expected she looked like. She was the same woman both times. This is crazy to me. Because in a way, if you go around thinking everyone is horrible, everyone is mean, and blah, 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 according to this study, you are creating that reality for yourself. If you think everyone is super interesting and super attractive, 
you actually not just change how you frame it for yourself when you meet this person, but you actually change the other person's behavior accordingly. So you make them what you think they are. That is crazy. That is crazy. Because now all of a sudden it's like the world is Play-Doh and we can just build it the way we want. I mean, obviously it's it's got its limits. I'm not trying to say <laughs> that, you know, everything is under our control. But boy, oh boy, a lot more is under our control than we thought it was. They showed, a, they talked about a guy in the book who every time before he has a phone conversation, he imagines the phone conversation going really, really well and that person being super kind and nice and laughing and giving them what they want. And he does really well. He said his sales just went up like crazy ever since he started doing that. And it sounds like voodoo, but this study shows that it's true. Like we create the people we expect to meet. And lucky people generally do expect to meet fun, interesting and attractive people. And unlucky people expect negative and dull interactions. This influences, as we've seen, how they go into the conversation, the meeting, the phone call or whatever, and it impacts the result. That's pretty much the information chunk of this episode. I find it really exciting because, I mean, I don't know if you've heard all this stuff about the law of attraction, the secret. I have huge problems with it, but I think it's based in some kind of truth, when we expect good things, when we imagine interactions to be positive, when we expect that we'll be successful in something, we change our behavior, we change the behavior of the other person, and we are more likely to create that future that we are expecting to have. So, um, hey, I mean, try it out, you know? If you don't believe it works, try it out for a week or so. Just go around smiling at people, expecting them to be kind, to be nice, whatever, to expect there to be chance opportunities all around you. And if it didn't work out, you know, you don't have to keep going. Just stop doing it. If you're into things like visualizations, go for it, try it out. Um, I didn't want that to be the tip for this week because I think it's a bit niche. You might have to be quite far into this stuff to start doing visualizations, but um, it's a tip in the book. So it can't be that wrong. So again, lucky people expect good things to happen in the future. They are more likely to attempt to achieve their goals and they are more likely to keep trying even in the face of failure. And lastly, they expect their conversations, their interactions to be positive and successful and therefore get more successful positive interactions. Um, The tip this week is a cost-benefit analysis. And no, you're not in business school now. This is meant to help you to persevere in the face of failure, which can be really, really tricky. That, I think for me, is like the hardest part because you can put yourself in a positive mindset and go, yeah, 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 I'll go for it, I'll try it, I'll try it. But then if the going gets rough, uh, it's hard to, to keep going. To, to keep trying, to keep, to not lose faith. And apparently they found that lots of lucky people do this kind of exercise when they feel like giving up. So here's what you do. You take a little piece of paper and you write down your goal. Now you draw a line through the middle of the page and on the one side you write benefits on the top and on the other side you write costs on, on the top. And now imagine how you might achieve your goal through good luck. And really feel what that feels like, what that looks like, and write down all the benefits that would come from achieving this goal. This could include things like um, how you feel, how it impacts your personal and professional life, how it impacts your income, how it adds meaning to your life. Like, just try and add as many things from varied categories of your life. 
and write everything down that, that would be better if you achieve your goal. And now in the cost column, write down all the things that you will still have to do to make an effort toward attaining your goal or to keep persisting. So write down things like you have to change some habits or you have to at attend a certain meeting or you might have to make that phone call, whatever it takes that you still have to do to try and achieve your goal. And now take a step back and look at both lists and imagine again what it will look like if you do achieve your goal and you might then decide, I mean, maybe you won't and you'll say, okay, this is, there's no point, I'll stop going for this, but you might decide that the benefits far outweigh the costs and then feel more motivated to keep going. I think it sounds pretty good because sometimes in the moment what we still have to do can feel overwhelming and when we look at it side by side like this and we think, okay, this might be worth it if I can achieve this other thing, we're more likely to keep going. So try it out. Let me know how you get on. I'm excited for this. I, I really, I love this episode. <laughs> I think it's so exciting that we can influence our reality with our minds. It sounds so voodoo, magical, mystical, um, but it seems to be true. So let's try it. Let me know how it goes. Send this to your friends if they could use a little bit of happiness and positivity and luck in their lives. Follow me on Instagram at goddamnhappinesspod. Follow me on Facebook, my goddamn quest for happiness. And check out aldo.lu for more information and all episodes and whatnot. And have a good time. See you next time. Bye-bye.